Hey, well, good morning, everyone. Thank you again for joining us on this spring day. For those of you with kids, hopefully you had a great spring break this last week. I know we have a lot of people traveling today. We're in Hawaii and Seattle and the mountains and who knows where else as a people right now. I've heard a lot of good stories of, uh, of trips over the last week. Uh, we love those opportunities to get away. Uh, hey, we're coming into spring and uh, summer will be here before we know it. So I'll start saying something that you'll hear from us fairly regularly. Uh, when it comes to church and attendance and Sundays, we just want you to know that we want to be a people that travels and lives life to the fullest. And so, hey, when you're in town and able to be here, like today, thanks for joining us. And when you have opportunity to travel, hey, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Love people where you are and where you go. We love that opportunity. Hey, so blessings again. Thanks for being here today. Um, We've been in a series in the Gospel of John. Uh, The Gospel of John is the story of an eyewitness of Jesus, a man who walked with Jesus for the years of his ministry, and he wrote down an account of his experience with this man Jesus uh, and who he came to understand this man Jesus to be. And so we're reading through his text found in the Gospel of John. He, He tells this remarkable story of a man going from uh, relatively unknown in Israel uh, to a man that thousands followed uh, and, and wanted to see him heal, wanted to hear his teaching, wanted to know more of him. They hoped, could he be a prophet or could he even be the Messiah? And for the past few weeks, we've been in this little mini-series inside the Gospel of John in which uh, we were, we're studying the I Am statements of Jesus. And so this is uh, six, seven times that Jesus says this is who I am. He reveals out of his own mouth uh, statements about his own identity. Uh, And that was remarkable. We came to know Jesus as um, the bread of life. Uh, We came to know Jesus uh, as the Messiah in many ways, shapes, and forms. He's the good shepherd. He's uh, very many things in our lives. But today, um, we find ourselves, uh, we will be in John chapter 13, um, exploring the last week of Jesus' life, sometimes called the Passion Week, um, the last week that he will be alive. And many powerful things are happening. He's teaching and he's healing and he's, uh, people are trying to have him killed. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day are out to get him. Uh, he's sitting and having Passover meals with his closest followers. And it's a very special time. I mean, just imagine for a moment if you knew you had only one week left to live, what would be some of the most important things you would do? Sometimes we talk about bucket lists and we saw a movie about it years ago, right? What would you do if you knew you only had so much time? And we find Jesus in that exact place right here in our text today as Jesus knows uh, a time is coming and he's been warning his apostles. Um, but before we get to John chapter 13, I want to back up. In Luke chapter 7, we um, hear the story that's kind of significant for where we'll be at today. Um, Jesus is invited into one of the homes of the Pharisees, and this is earlier in his ministry, and they're still trying to vet him. Who is this guy? Is he a threat to us? What are we going to do with this man named Jesus? And so the Pharisees have invited him into their home. And here's the interesting thing. It's uh, traditional in first century Israelite culture um, to wash the feet of your guests when they arrive. Now, uh, understand, um, 
that when, um, when you entered the house, the owner of the home would never be the one to wash your feet. Uh, that's far too demeaning. Uh, but instead, they would uh, typically have a servant wash your feet. It shows both your own status to have servants that will wash the feet of your guests. Uh, but further, um, it means you don't have to get down and wash someone's feet. And at a very bare minimum, um, in first century culture, uh, they would provide water for someone to wash their own feet. You see, because they've been traveling uh, in a long tunic, but with sandals on their feet, and uh, they're they're dirty. And so it was it was customary, it was appropriate to offer water or a servant to wash people's feet. And and so uh, in the story that Jesus is invited into a Pharisee's home, the interesting thing is he is intentionally uh, disgraced by um, not they haven't offered him any water. They haven't offered him a servant to wash his feet, and uh, they certainly had the means and the resources to offer either of those two options. Um, but Jesus uh, is being disgraced. He's being said, you're not even worthy of the water it would take to wash your feet in this place. And a fascinating thing happens in Luke chapter 7. It's up on the screen. I'm not going to read through the details. Let me just tell you the story. Uh, a woman who had lived a sinful life, it says, many, um, many believe that she was a prostitute in the town in which Jesus found himself. She comes and she stands over Jesus as he's reclining at the table. Quite often, instead of sitting in chairs at a table like we did, they would uh, lean against pillows in front of a low table. And so this woman is standing over the Pharisees and Jesus who are reclined there at the table. And she's weeping. She's crying. She's come to know who this Jesus is. And as she cries, her tears fall on Jesus' feet. And she gets down and she takes her hair and she begins to dry and to clean his feet with her hair. And she takes expensive perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet and anoints his feet. And it's this beautiful and incredibly disgusting and awkward moment in the life of Jesus. I mean, how wrong and strange is this? And the Pharisees begin saying, if he knew who this woman was, he would be shutting this down real quick. But Jesus says to them, you see this woman? You offered me no water for my feet. You did nothing to respect me and show me even common courtesies. But she's here kissing my feet and weeping over them and cleaning my feet. You didn't give me oil for my head, but she uh, anointed my feet with oil. And he says, and her sins have been forgiven. Now, there's uh, there's a few things in this story, uh, reasons I wanted to reference it today. First of all, it's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And um, this story is one of those that has really shaped us as a people and a, and a church, in that it reminds us that the church ought not to operate with this us versus them uh, not to other people around us as those other people, those that have lived a sinful life, but instead to follow in the way of Jesus, of creating space at the table for those willing to come and to explore, those with a genuine heart, uh, seeking change and new opportunity in life. It demonstrates to us this inviting posture towards hurting or marginalized or, yes, even sinful people. And let me just clarify to say that's all of us, but sometimes we get this other mentality, like, well, we're not like the rest of them out there, but that is so not the gospel message. The gospel message says that grace is offered to those with few and to those with many offenses, that we are all in the same place and the same boat, and Jesus invites us to the table 
And he says, thank you (laughs) that you afforded me grace and love, that you wept at my feet, that you came to me, your sins are forgiven. That's the story of the gospel. Second reason I wanted to look at this text is just to establish uh, this normalcy uh, of foot washing in the first century. Okay, so let's... uh, we live in a pretty different culture today. This would be a very strange thing for me to offer you as you entered my home for a meal one night. Can I wash your feet on the way in? And I thought about doing a foot washing demonstration here today, but I hate feet, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> no, that's, that's not actually the true reason. Okay, so tell me, tell me which one of these apply to you. Um, uh, just raise your hand if this is you. Uh, I think feet are awesome. They are so adorable. Nope. Okay. None of us in the room. I kind of thought that might be the case. Um, okay. I despise feet. Just keep them away from me. Is that some of us in the room? Okay. Yeah. This, that's fairly common. That's a lot of us. And then there's those of us maybe kind of in the middle. Uh, they're kind of weird. Uh, not a big deal, but not a huge fan. And that's probably where many of us, most of us fall. Okay. So there we find ourselves. Uh, most of, none of us with uh, a love of feet. Um, some of us uh, with a mild and some of us with, with a much greater uh, uh, dislike for them. Uh, reading this text about foot washing. All right, let's just embrace the awkwardness of that moment of what's happening here. So in John chapter 13, uh, again, we are in the last week of Jesus' life, and uh, the things can, you can only imagine, uh, this is a time of heightened awareness, of heightened importance, like the things that are happening in this moment are the last opportunities in his life on earth uh, to engage his apostles um, in significant ways. And so I'm going to read John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and then we're going to spend some time in this text today. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that his hour had come uh, for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I love you, Peter. You're hilarious. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus begins this text um, uh, pointing out, or, or John's account telling us of uh, Jesus. He, he says all these different things that Jesus knew, and I, I thought it was interesting. I, um, uh, I, I took note of them. It said, uh, he knew that his hour had come. Um, so many times before this, Jesus had told them, um, you know, my hour has not yet come. This is not the time. But Jesus knows that his hour has come, referring to uh, his crucifixion that is coming. It said that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So not only do we have the uh, Lord and, and uh, teacher and Lord statement that he makes, you call me this, it is true, I'm teacher and Lord. But Jesus knows that all things are under his power. And I, we'll, we'll, we'll d- dig a little deeper into that later but I want us to realize that Jesus and his followers in this moment knew his authority, knew his position at this table. Uh, He knew that he had come from God, and he knew that he was returning to God. Again, his time was near, and he also knew the one who was going to betray him. So this is what Jesus knows in the beginning of the text here. There's a few characters, though, in the text, and I want to glance at the other two before we dive in. Obviously, there's all the apostles here, uh, but it mentions a couple others. It mentions Judas the betrayer. Judas, the one who for a few pieces of silver is going to sell out Jesus. Uh, Judas, who has followed Jesus for three years of his life now. He's seen the miracles he's performed. He's seen the love that Jesus demonstrates. He's heard the teachings of his Messiah, and yet for some reason is going uh, to give all that up. Uh, Go his own way. uh, Seek riches over relationship with his Savior. And Jesus knows exactly who's going to do this. And what's fascinating to me is that he goes ahead and he washes Judas' feet on that day. Can you imagine, can you picture that moment as Jesus gets down on his knees in front of the man who's going to betray him? And knowing what's coming, chooses that posture of service and of love to wash even this man's feet. I think it's significant. It tells us something about the character of Jesus. Peter, uh, he, he's uh, also mentioned in this text, and I laugh and I say, I love you, Peter, because Peter is wonderful. Uh, he is spontaneous. He is always the first to speak up, always the first to act. Uh, he's the first to draw a sword and swing it at the people that are about to try to arrest Jesus. He's the one that gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and all the disciples laugh because actually you sank in that water, but he was the only one to get out and walk on the water in faith. Uh, Later on, we'll read about um, Jesus having risen from the dead, and he appears on the shore near his disciples, and they're rowing frantically to get to Jesus. They see him, and they're approaching Jesus, but for Peter, the boat is not quick enough, and so he throws off a garment, and he dives into the water after Jesus. He is the impulsive one. He speaks often before he thinks, and here we read of Peter, and he's like, nope, you're not washing my feet, right? That's below you, Jesus. We know that you're our teacher and our Lord. You know that you are from the Father. You know who you are. This is not appropriate. And he's so right on so many levels, and yet he's so wrong, right? Jesus says, no, you may not understand it yet, but there is purpose in what I do for you here today. And so uh, Jesus gets down and he washes their feet. And then, of course, the character of Jesus. Um, 
You might remember, uh, or, or you can look back uh, this week if you'd like, um, shortly before this in the text, there had been a conversation among the, amongst the disciples. They're walking down the road, and they're kind of hanging back from Jesus, having this argument. And the argument is this, uh, no, I'm going to sit at his right hand, and you're going to sit at his left, and no, you're not even going to get a place there, right? They're having this argument about who's going to be greatest when Jesus takes the throne, when Jesus becomes king. And Jesus turns to them and said, in my kingdom, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And this is significant because shortly after that, in the last week of his life, Jesus takes time to demonstrate to them this exact principle. If I will be your leader, then I must be a servant, right? A good leader will be a servant. So here's what I did this last week. I got onto this um, uh, idea of um, Jesus leading through his service, like washing feet as good leadership. And so I went back um, through uh, all the books from my master's program and all the extra books that I've read on leadership. And in my Kindle alone, there's nine or ten of them. And uh, I did a word search uh, for feet. I wanted to know what they had in leadership and Christian leadership's books to say about the subject of Jesus leading by washing his uh, apostles' feet. And here's what I found. Well, let me get, oh yeah, nothing. Nine or ten books. And not a single mention of Jesus' leadership demonstrated in washing feet. Now, I went a little bit further to other books that I have in paper. Um, servant leadership uh, is a beautiful concept, one that I'd recommend you looking into because, by the way, any of these leadership principles don't just apply to leaders in a church or the CEO of a corpora- corporation. These are ideas of how we serve and how we live and how we engage. Uh, let's be honest, we're leading every day uh, in the ways we interact, uh, in, in the ways we raise our children. We are all leading in many different respects in our lives. And so servant leadership uh, books do speak to this idea. Um, uh, in, in one I was looking at, it said, um, it isn't the title or position you hold that makes you a great leader, but it is the heart-inspired action you take that makes you a great leader. That's a story of Jesus. That's a story of servant leadership here today. It is the heart-inspired action that he took on this day that spoke volumes to his apostles, right? Can you imagine this humbling moment as they sit and their feet are washed by their Lord and their Savior and the Messiah, but he takes and puts into action the things that he's considering? In fact, if you want to close your eyes, you can. If you don't want to, that's, that's totally fine. But let's just take a moment and reflect. Um, let's just take a moment and place ourselves in the place of these apostles, and on that day. And as we sit here today in a comfortable chair, um, we, uh, we remember uh, Jesus who knelt at the feet of his followers, and, uh, and he washed their feet. He dipped them in the bowl, and he wiped them off with a towel. And he said, uh, you are clean. You are now clean. We reflect on this idea of the Savior of the world, the creator of the world, Jesus, our hope and our provision, kneeling at at my feet and washing them. I don't know, I can't even really always fathom uh, something that grand. By the way, did Jesus have a beard in your vision or not? Long hair? 
Okay, let's not worry about it. That's not the most important thing. What I want to consider is Jesus, who would bow at the feet of his closest followers, right? Who would bow at the feet of even the one that would betray him, Jesus, who would kneel down and wash the feet, taking the posture of a servant in the life of those around him. And friends, Jesus still washes feet today. Today, as we imagine Jesus washing our feet, we remember that we have been cleansed by Jesus, that we have been made clean by him. And if the text were to end right here and in this moment, uh, we would leave with this really warm, fuzzy feeling, knowing that Jesus loves me personally, and that is all very true, that is all very good, but Jesus doesn't end this experience with his apostles in that way. No, instead he says, okay, I've done it for you. Now you do it for others. He takes that next step and he says, I'm glad that you feel good about this. Maybe you feel humbled. Maybe you feel embarrassed. I do when I imagine myself in that position. Uh, Whatever you're feeling, though, he says, there's more to the story. I did this so that you would do this for people around you. He says, I have demonstrated this that you would go and wash other people's feet, that you would do the same. And so we ask ourselves today, how does this text shape us as followers of Jesus? What does it do in our lives? How does it change our worldview? And I've got a few ideas for us, but you be contemplating, what is Jesus calling you to in this text? Uh, He'll he'll speak to you individually. Um, You know, uh, and the first we'll look at, how does this shape us, our worldview, our our ideology? Um, I want to look at the bigger picture, the macro view, and I want to consider how does this text shape us as a church? And I I mentioned a little bit of that earlier, um, but sometimes we approach the church in uh, kind of our Western consumeristic mentality where I go to church because I'm so sure or to receive something, and that's all well and good. We should receive things while we're here. But let me say, uh, the church exists much less for my own fulfillment and getting more of what I want and need. It exists much more for the sake of the world. The church is invited to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are invited to be those that are serving in our community, washing the feet of the marginalized, the hurting, and the poor. The purpose of us as a people is that we go and that we learn to wash feet. That's what the church exists for. But in our individual lives and as we engage on a daily basis in the world around us, I wonder, how does this text shape me? How does it shift my worldview and my understanding of the things around me? Um, And I find myself asking, so how will we serve? Because uh, sometimes we serve because it makes us feel good, right? Or sometimes we serve because it places us in that elevated position over that person that we're serving. And I know that sounds manipulative and wrong, but let's be honest, friends. Sometimes we serve for our own benefit, for our own sake, more than that of others. And so uh, Scripture speaks to this quite a number of times because I think it's a very natural inclination. Uh, Scripture um, speaks to this idea. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 6 goes deep into this with the Pharisees. He says, all your acts of righteousness and all your service are for the sake of other people seeing it. And he says, it's not good enough. You have received your reward in full. But instead, he invites us to serve humbly, right? 
Not for the show, not for the personal benefit, but in a humble posture to say, I will wash the feet of people around me in my life. Philippians 2.3 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, uh, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking by, uh, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, and even death on a cross again. Jesus' example is what we strive to live into. He chose to set aside the throne of heaven to come and to be born as a helpless, innocent infant. Uh, he comes and he, uh, he as, a, as an infant, he comes and he, um, he lives a life of service, right? He cares for the hurting people. He doesn't just heal the lepers, but he lays a hand on them demonstrates love, right? In the text today, he bends down as the Lord and the master of these people. He bends down to demonstrate his service uh, by washing their feet. And today he invites us, will you, the church, my hands and feet, continue this practice of washing feet? And I'm so proud to know people in this room I was thinking about people, and I won't say names because I don't want to call you out, and I know, I know you don't want uh, the praise for it, but um, I was just thinking about the things that I see happening amongst us in our community, the ways I see people washing hands and feet, and this is far from an exhaustive list, but um, I, I know one family in our church who has such a heart for the homeless challenge uh, crisis that we face in the Tri-Cities that um, they've um, researched uh, quite in depth and built these um, homeless kits, packets of essential items for homeless people that they can give out that are of great value to the people. Uh, so they keep those in their car with them. Um, I know people volunteering with many different organizations like Forge Youth Mentoring, um, Second Harvest, Boys and Girls Club, Habitat for Humanity, uh, many, many, many other organizations. People saying, I will give of my time that I can wash the feet of people in this community. I know people that have helped strangers pay rent uh, that couldn't do it themselves, people that uh, volunteer in our schools, people that uh, eat lunch or have conversation with the person at work that kind of you don't want to be sitting with, right? Uh, these are people washing feet in their day-to-day -day lives. I know people who get out and help their neighbors shovel snow, uh, who take care of people who are hurt or in need. I know those that go out of their way to donate supplies to organizations like SARC and many other places. Uh, I know those that have given up a room or part of their home to a friend that is without a place to stay. And friends, are so, so many more. Because I think we as a people have begun to take hold uh, already of the concept brought before us today in the Gospel of John. We've begun to take hold of this idea that Jesus has cleansed me, that he got on his hands and knees and he washed my feet, that he has cleansed me and it is my invitation to demonstrate the nature of Jesus in this world around me, that it is my invitation to wash feet as Jesus washes feet. 
got a couple minute video and as you watch this, I, I just want to invite us to reflect on what God might be calling us each to. And I don't love uh, a message or a concept that becomes uh, completely uh, applied individually, but just let me say, as each of us apply these principles of washing feet around us, we as a people multiply the opportunity and the engagement and the ways we are changing this community by washing feet. So think today, as you watch this video, before we close out, um, how is Jesus inviting me to wash feet? So here's our challenge in the week to come. Will we follow in the footsteps of Jesus and learn to wash feet in the lives of people around us? As I said in the beginning, the idea of feet is not a beautiful one. And let me say the ways Jesus invites you to serve and to love this week, they may not be beautiful and they might not be fun. But this is the way of Jesus, that we would learn to serve and love in the ways we have been served and loved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for a text uh, that is both beautiful and incredibly challenging. Thank you that you have washed us, that you have cleansed us, that you have demonstrated love to us when we were unlovable. God, help us to know a new worldview uh, in which we engage as your hands and feet that we learn to love the unlovable, that we learn to wash the feet of the people around us. Father, show us this week in small and in big ways what it looks like to wash the feet of others. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll close with this thought. May we walk in the ways of Jesus. May we sacrificially and humbly serve others. May we learn to wash feet just like Jesus washed feet. Have a blessed week.